your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 14th. 2020 and today's episode is brought to you by built bar go to builtbar.com and use the promo code lockdown to get 10 20 percent off of your next order i'm your host detroit sports writer nolan bianchi we've got justin spiro with us today somewhat of a rogue uh detroit sports media personality uh he hosts the spiro Ave podcast uh which is a very good show he's got lots of good journalists on there uh, our colleague here at the Lockdown Network, Chris Castellani, who hosts Lockdown Tigers, uh, one of the recent guests there. So be sure to go check that out. So we invited him out of the show today. And then, of course, the day of, he goes ahead and starts a little bit of a, a fire on Twitter. He's a fire starter. That's what, that's what he is. Uh, <laughs> I've called him that before. Uh, but it's true. He's, he's a really nice guy, though. He's got uh, good insight. Uh, he is pretty well connected, it seems to be. Uh, have a source or two inside that Red Wings front office. So it's a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Tomorrow we've got Ross Leviton uh, from the Lockdown Sense podcast and Samantha CP talking to us. Uh, she is from the Area 51 Hockey podcast uh, as well as the Broadcast pod. Ross walks us through what uh, the Red Wings are getting in Bobby Ryan and Vladislav Nemestikov. And then uh, Samantha talks to us a little bit about Troy Stetcher, uh, the defenseman who was claimed from the Vancouver Canucks, uh, was not qualified, was did not receive a qualifying offer. What did, I don't know what the what the word was not qualified offered. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so we talked to her for a little bit uh, about that subject. That is all the notes I have for you guys. Uh, I believe on Friday, we're just going to do a how do you feel about it Friday episode. Uh, I got Ethan with me in the interview, longtime Red Wings fan, Ethan Smith, my co-host. So if you're wondering where he is, he is also in this interview. I'm going to stop talking now. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. It's my new Steve Eisenman line of furniture. And it's only available at Art Band. All right, we are now joined uh, by host of the Spiro Avenue podcast. You may know him from Twitter at Darko State News. Uh, his full name, however, Justin Spiro, one of the uh, pessimists of Detroit sports media, I would, I would <laughs> go as far as to say. Uh, and he's here joining us live slash virtually uh, on the virtual studio. Justin, welcome to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Nolan, I have to take issue right off the top. How am, I a, how am I a pessimist? Have you seen the state of Detroit sports? If you are anything other than a, quote, pessimist at this point, you're a liar or you're disingenuous at best. So I think I'm a pessimist by default. If these teams were winning titles or competing or at least making the playoffs and, God forbid, winning a round, uh, then you could call me a pessimist if I was a little bit of a curmudgeon. But I think any type of, quote, pessimism – is somewhat justified given the state of affairs, which are quite a mess in Detroit, has been uh, well documented. Well, I'm not going to argue with that, but it just feels like whenever there's a pessimist take, I can usually track it back to you, like in some way, shape, or form. I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. You, you That's what it started bad. it all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really cynical now. I was bad before, really cynical now, though. That's fair. <laughs> so we invited you on the show over the weekend. We're expecting to have this nice conversation about the 
optimism behind the Red Wings and Steve Eisman's plan to get back on track. But I don't want to bury the lead. You upset a lot of people on Twitter.com today with a two-tweet thread. That's all it took, two tweets. Uh, So we, of course, have to start with that. And if you missed it, he says, I just spoke with someone in the Red Wings organization who said their financials are, quote, a total mess. Steve Eisenman was limited to short-term, cheap deals. He was interested in players he was not permitted to pursue. Uh, And then it continues in uh, this horrific string of of angry tweets. The stall trade was approved out of acknowledgement of a need to ice a team and spend it compliance. I'm guessing the Wings will be under the cap when it's all said and done. Now, we did a little back and forth, and I 100% get what you meant by what you said, but I think there's a lot of people out there who don't. So before we kind of get into this conversation, I want to give you a chance to maybe expand on these thoughts, because even though the tweets were pretty straightforward, I think what the the idea you were trying to get across might be a little more nuanced uh, than it came across in the tweets. Definitely. And Twitter is just a horrible medium for this kind of stuff. I mean, there's no question about it. I, yeah. I think the first thing I'll say off the top is that some of the responses where I thought Eiserman was going to have free run when he got here, this is completely COVID related. That This mm-hmm. is not Chris Illich suddenly deciding to pull back the reins on Steve Eiserman unprovoked. So that's right off the top. This is COVID related. I literally had that in the first tweet, but I ran out of characters. But So this is a COVID related cash issue. The Red Wings, their cash streams, like a lot of teams in the league, like a lot of businesses around the country and the world are tighter now than expected. It has affected their pizza business substantially. So their bottom line has been tight. So it's not a permanent pullback. I expect the Red Wings to spend right up to the cap, you know, as soon as next year or the year after. But in the immediate future, their cash is tight. And that is the bottom line. It, is, it just is what it is. The same exact person that told me this this morning is the one that told me that they were targeting Bobby Ryan and expected to get him. I tweeted that before anybody had it. That's, you know, there for anyone to see. Not to brag. You can look that up. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> It's the same, you know, it's like one day later or two days later and suddenly I'm making it up for clicks or whatever. It's like clicks to what? I don't even like have a website anymore. So, you know, it's, so there's no, there's no clickbait. It just is what it is. And I, you know, they're cash poor right now, relatively speaking, and there's a budget in place. I know for a fact, for a fact, and this was from a separate conversation. Some people know my relationship with a pro hockey player who happens to be represented by Pat Brisson, who happens to be the biggest and best agent in all of hockey. I know for a fact that the Red Wings were not able to make another one of those Mark Stahl type trades. They had an offer for, it was either a first or second round pick for a team to take on a contract with a couple years term. It wasn't a one-year deal like Stahl. And they did not get approval from Chris Illich to do it, even though Steve Eisman wanted to do it. So that's one example. There were a couple middle-class free agents that Eisman wanted to pursue in sort of an Alavila style, sign them and flip them type thing, plug a hole or two on the roster for the short term. They were a little bit more than the deals we saw handed out, you know, a million, 950,000 and whatnot. And those were not approved either. So that's a fact. And if the facts make you mad, that's fine. But I'm just telling you exactly what I heard from the person that told me Eiserman was coming here almost a year before it happened, from the guy that told me Bobby Ryan was probably coming here uh, an hour before anyone was even talking about it. So that's just – it is what it is. So I, I, we'll let Ethan kind of ask a, a question here in a second. But that first 
player that you talked about, a Mark Stahl type of deal. And I think it's worth pointing out too, because, you know, people could point at that deal and say, hey, well, look, they did it there. But guess what? With Mark Stahl, that, that situation, it wasn't publicized that much because it didn't really matter. But the Rangers took on like a pretty hefty amount or already paid it out, uh, a pretty hefty amount of money. 40%. That, the yeah, Rangers are paying 40% of that. From the best-selling authors of The Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue, to accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can. Sports teams across the country are applying this popular philosophy by using stoicism's key idea. You control how you respond and play. You don't control what the refs and fans do or how the ball bounces. It's all about what you did to adapt. Lives of the Stoics, the art of living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius, is available now wherever books are sold. And, of course, we got to talk to you guys today about Roman. Uh, listen, folks, talking about erectile dysfunction is not an easy thing to do. All right? We'll, we'll, we'll throw lots of excuses at the wall. We'll say, uh, oh, sorry, I haven't showered. Uh, or, you know, oh, it's, uh, it's, too, it's too light outside. I don't want to look at myself. Uh, whatever it may be. You know, we, we've all been there before. And uh, with Roman, it's something that's easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional uh, who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get an online, free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. And if you're approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. $15, that's a lot of dough. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. One more time, GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. This is Bertuzzi looking at Setaguchi across the ice, and your dead seems to be what uh, he's mouthing. I know you won't give the guy up who, who, you know, they, they said they had a trade in place. It was kiboshed. Uh, but I guess my question is, do you think now that Alex Petrangelo has signed with Vegas and they're desperate to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, that'll bring the Red Wings back to the negotiating table? I don't think so. I, I just don't think the money's going to be there. Marc-Andre Fleury I, confirmed. Yeah. A trade, a trade wasn't high boss per se. It wasn't like they had the whole structure in place. GMs were talking as they do at this time of year and year round. And Eisman was in extensive negotiations with another general manager about the framework of a trade. So it wasn't quite on the doorstep. And that's why I said, you know, it was, whether it was a first or second rounder, even the person I got it from isn't really sure, but they were talking about either a first or second rounder and a moving of these contracts for the, for the player and just didn't get it done. But, and for that very reason, I don't see how they would take on Flurry at this point. Obviously, I think Chris Illich, if he had a rare opportunity to get some 25-year-old with three years left on his deal making big money that's going to be here long term, that's something that could always happen. But I don't think we're going to see another Mark Stahl type deal where it's three, $4 million coming onto the cap just for the sake of buying a pick. I just don't see that. And I, and I just want to say, I completely buy what you're saying, because if that was the case and, and they did have the free reign to go out and make these moves, I think we would have seen something for Tyler Johnson. I think we would have seen something for possibly Louis Erickson in Vancouver. But those but are they, deals that we just haven't seen. 
And, and, you know, a lot of the feedback I got was like, oh, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. They still have to get Mantha and Bertuzzi re-signed. I'm like, they have the second most cap space in the league. They're not paying those guys like $8 million each. So, yeah, they do have to re-sign those guys. But what I said on Twitter today is my prediction based on what I heard, and I trust the knowledge of, of where it's coming from, I trust the source, is that they will be under the cap, not by a hair, but by a, a sizable margin this year. And obviously anything could change, but that's my uh, expectation based on the conversations I had today and earlier this past week. So I'm curious to know, um, do you think that the signings Eisman made were exactly the type of signings that we expected them to make? And B, what makes the Red Wings financials more of a mess than other teams in the NHL? Like, are you telling me that Buffalo, who also haven't made the playoffs in I mean, a decade, Sorry, sorry, Buffalo. Uh, haven't played since March. Are in a better financial situation than the Red Wings? Uh, I'll go. I'll go in order. Uh, a, I think they've run the offseason exactly how I would have wanted and how Eisman would have done it. Uh, anyway, I just think they had to scale back uh, the full picture. So I think I think they did everything they wanted to do. I think Eisman liked what he did and would do it whether he had a free run or not. I just think there would have been an additional one, two, or three moves made to augment the moves that they did make. So it wasn't a change in direction as much as it was sort of a cap on how far they took the direction they were going. So that's point A. Point B, I don't think there's an, a single exception to this, uh, what I'm about to say. In the NHL, every NHL owner has a primary business aside from their NHL team, that is how they made their money. And that was how they bought the team in the first place. So, you know, the, the Columbus guy owns like Jets and, you know, the Red Wings obviously own Little Caesars. So every, every business has been affected differently. They all have completely different bottom lines. So, you know, I hate, it's cliche to say apples to oranges, but just because they're two hockey teams, you're comp comparing two completely different sets of assets. Uh, you know, across from one owner to another NHL owner, they all have different balance sheets and different financial outlooks. And you have to remember who you're talking about. Chris Illich is extremely risk averse. I don't, I don't like the word cheap. I think it, you know, but he's, he's a bean counter and he's less inclined to take risks than other owners that may have seen a financial hit as, as we all have, but um, you know, see a brighter future ahead. So I don't know the balance sheets of every NHL team. I just know the Red Wings do not like their numbers. And Chris Illich has said, everything has to be approved by him for this offseason, which is not normal. Do you think, uh, I'm just curious, I, I don't necessarily know where I stand on this, but I know you're pretty much a uh, Chris Illich detractor, I guess would be the, the baseline term that I would use for it. Do you think that, the, that these teams, as we move on into the Chris Illich era, with both the Red Wings and the Tigers, will, like, do you see any long-term negative impacts uh, of him running the show compared to what it was when Mike was in charge? Oh, absolutely. Because he's not going to spend like Mike. And I don't think that's controversial. I think they've actually, I know they said that explicitly, that it's not going to be run in the same fashion. Mike Illich, you know, people forget. It's easy to forget, especially if you're younger. Mike Illich was the Chris Illich for the Tigers for like 15 years before he decided to start spending. I mean, he was so cheap. The Tigers had the worst team in baseball almost every year, my entire childhood. And they had one of the lowest payrolls year in and year out. It wasn't like a, a Washington football team thing where they were spending and just losing. Mm -hmm. They had no investment. So I think Chris Illich is kind of reverting back to younger Mike Illich. So I, I don't think we should only expect it. Um, you know, I think we should 
know that that's coming because they've told us it's coming. I don't think it's going to be the same. Doesn't mean you can't win on a, a lower payroll. The Tampa Bay Rays, I think, uh, might just win the whole thing on a shoestring budget, but you have to run things in a certain way. Um, and I don't, I don't trust them to make that decision. You, you call me a Chris Illich detractor. I think that's very fair. He has two promises that he has made to the city so far, and he's 0 for 2. He promised us, hey, if you give me this $330 million in tax breaks and I can build this beautiful palatial district Detroit for you, you know, just give me the taxes, he whiffed. They haven't broken ground on anything other than a parking lot there, so that's 0 for 1. He promised us that the second the Tigers were ready and the prospects were coming up, that they were going to start spending, they've already pulled back on that and kicked that down the road. So I don't know how I'm supposed to trust them. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but there's nothing there. I mean, it's fantasy land. It would be based on nothing if I were to put any faith in this process. Well, don't you think, I mean, well, I guess, actually, I'll backtrack on, on the question I was going to ask because well, I, what I was going to say is uh, on the standpoint of the Tigers, you mentioned that he said he was going to start spending once the prospects coming up. The prospects really, I mean, the, the prospects that were coming up and, and playing at that ballpark over the last couple of years, like they were nothing. And and we didn't know whether we were going to see Casey Mize this year. We didn't know that we were going to see a lot of those top guys coming up. And so I guess I'm just curious, like, is that something you hold against him because of, of the fact that this was kind of a weird year. We still didn't know if we were going to have the prospects up. And then by the time that we knew we were, the COVID situation was full blown. Yeah. I mean, and that's fair. I, I think on the second promise, the, the district of Detroit. Was, and I'm, I'm with you on the district. Detroit, yeah. And totally, that was a failure. 1, percent. That was a totally. failure. He failed to fulfill that promise pre COVID. So that doesn't get him off the hook. I mean, they, they were three years behind uh, before COVID even got here. Now they're going on four years behind their promises to start development. I think it's a fair point on the second thing. I mean, at best, I would give them an incomplete on the Tigers. <laughs> um, but, you know, as far as the, the money thing, it's like I still don't like it. Why couldn't they get one international free agent? Look at the White Sox. They have Yuan Moncada, who they traded for, obviously. But, you know, Luis, Robert, they've never dived uh, into that pool. And, and I think there's a lot of opportunities where you don't have to make a huge splash where you can invest in things in a certain way, but I'm fine giving him an incomplete on the second thing. But the bottom line is at the end of the day, now we're down to, he's all for one with a huge whiff with the district mm-hmm. Detroit and at best a murky incomplete on the second promise. So at the end of the day, the point's the same. What do I have to base his faith on? You got to show me something. I mean, Steve Eisenman, I guess was a start, but you were going to pay someone to run the team. So I don't know. We'll see, but I, I don't have faith. I hope I'm wrong. All right. Well, and that, uh, then let's, let's kind of move it on to what the Red Wings actually did over the weekend and the long-term scope of that, because I called you the, the, the Detroit sports pessimist and here you are over the weekend, gracing the timeline with some smiles, with some optimism, some rainbows, dare I say, maybe a couple flowers poking up here and there in the uh, yard of Justin Spiro. What is your main source of optimism for this Detroit Red Wings franchise? Well, they're, they're running everything exactly how I would run it. And, you know, maybe I'm a narcissist, but like, <laughs> if you don't think you have the best idea for something, you got to work on it until you think that you do. And I, I mean, they're running it exactly how they should have been doing it years ago. They extend, they, they remind me a lot of the Pistons at the end of the Dumars era where they just, they didn't realize it until it was too late. And honestly, probably the Tigers you could throw in there too. Yeah. They finally said, we're going to completely scrap this thing and rebuild it. And Steve Eisman, in my opinion, 
is the best general manager in the entire sport. I think he owns that Tampa Bay ring. To whatever extent you want to credit other people, that's fine. Other people had a hand in it. But the core of that team was built by Steve Eiserman. And uh, I think that's to his credit. And what he's doing in Detroit now is exactly how it should be run. No dumb Ken Holland type signings where you're paying Jordan two, two, $3 million a year when no one else is even making him an offer. You know, you're not making these ridiculous offers to Franz Nielsen that again, nobody trading for Eric Cole and David Lagwan at the deadline. Just one nightmare after another. And he's just, he's kind of laying low. He's gotten terrible draft luck in the first two years that, you know, in the lottery, that's, that's too bad. I mean, that, nothing you can do about that, but uh, he's just, he's just, doing it right. It's, it's cheap assets, no long-term deals, build the team, build through the draft, accumulate draft capital. And this team was never going to be good in two or three years anyway. So let's get it extended into, you know, year four or five, and then we can be good. You know, and that's where I think he's shooting and I think he's running it intelligently. We got to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Listen, guys, it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. If you're looking for that midday fix to get you to your next meal, Built Bar is the way to go. The new improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser than the Built Bar of years past. Let's check out these amazing flavors. They've got caramel brownie. They've got cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Their bars are coming in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, uh, and they're great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. They're great for the keto diet. Uh, and right now, when you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you get 20% off of your next order. A whopping 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. What I like about the deals they made over the weekend was not only were they low money, short-term deals, but they also got an array of players. Uh, they picked up a young RFA in Troy Stetcher from Vancouver. They picked up a veteran looking to get his career back on track in Bobby Ryan. Um, what, what moves did you like the most? I mean, uh, my favorite is honestly the Bobby Ryan move. Just, uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy, he has been buried in a smaller role for a long time now, and he has talent that outsized his role. And, you know, a lot of that was his own doing. He was not on the rails, and he's admitted that, that, you know, if you're out drinking every night, you can get away with that stuff when you're 23, 24. Your body's not so forgiving when you're 32, 33. So I think, you know, by all accounts, he's gotten his life in, in gear. And to get a talent like that, a guy that's a 25, 30 goal talent, if his mind's right, his body's right, in a bigger role, I could see that guy having, you know, obviously shortened season, but I could see that guy having like 18 goals at the trade deadline. Anybody can afford him. Anybody. I mean, because you can fit him into any cap. At that point, he'll be making like less than half a million dollars for the rest of the year. And you can get a good pick for him. I think you basically, you look at Mark Stahl was purchased, you know, $3 million, or second round pick rather was purchased for Mark Stahl. You might be able to purchase a second round pick for like 300000 in a couple months with that Bobby Ryan deal, you know, the other, no one's going to give you the moon for, you know, a defenseman that's like a four or five, you know, some of the other moves were sort of smaller, but Bobby Ryan's a guy with a name, with a pedigree that teams know they can put on their top six. He's done it before. He's done it many times. I just think that, I think that's going to work. I thought that was the best by a mile. And I think that's an interesting point to make too, about how, uh, how, how, 
little he'll count against the cap for teams who are looking to acquire him. Cause that's part of it too, right? Like the, the ability to flip guys at the deadline, but they can't just be like decent players. They also have to come at the right price. And like you mentioned, like most of these, uh, they didn't make a, a single signing outside of Grice that was more than $2 million a year. And that's, that's to me, one of the most underrated parts of it all is not only do the Red Wings not have to pay them that much and they were able to add them uh, with that low contract. Uh, but the fact that, they were, they, they'll also be able to get rid of that contract with relative ease. Yeah. I mean that, and that's, that's the key. I mean, because if you sign and that's, you know, people are talking about like Flurry, for example, would be just buying the draft pick and that'd be an expensive draft pick to buy. If you, you mm-hmm. know, for Mark Andre Flurry, you're not going to be able to flip that guy. You're just not. So, you know, I, I think it, it's just a no brainer move. And that, I just like what they're doing. There's no risk in this. Like, I mean, I, I'm not rooting for anything, but, happiness and success for Bobby Ryan, but God forbid he gets hurt or something, you know, nothing lost. It, it's a, it's a rounding error on your salary cap. It's a one year deal. It's just, he's making all moves that can either go really well or can't really hurt you. I mean, mm. and, that's, and at this point of a rebuild, you know, maybe you take chances down the line when you're closer, you're chasing the title, you take a chance on a guy, but at this point you're just stockpiling assets, low risk, low risk, you know you're not going to be good anytime soon anyway. So just accumulate that capital, take those deals, sign five guys, maybe you trade one or two of them, and you get more picks and just keep running this, rolling this over. And I think they can be really good in two or three years. All right, we are uh, here with Justin Spiro. He is the host of the Spiro Avenue podcast, which you can find streaming on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. We'll wrap it up on this because Ethan and I have had lengthy discussions on this podcast. I think at this stage in the rebuild with the pieces that they brought in and with the core that will be in place uh, in this upcoming season, I would like to to see them take a step forward next year. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they'll really be within four spots of that last playoff spot, but I would like to see them take a step forward. Ethan, on the other hand, he wants another bottom three season, another bottom five season, another shot at that first overall pick. But I think that that's something that you really cannot lean on anymore in terms of tanking. So what would you like to see with this Red Wings roster next season? Where do you want them to finish? And what do you think their ceiling is? Well, I think their ceiling, if, you know, if guys are healthy and, you know, guys take the next step, Manta's got to stay upright, you know, things of that nature. I think they could be like, you know, sniffing the playoffs. Now, I don't, they're not going to make it. But I, I could see them. I know there's no such thing as a 10 seed, but like I could see them being in that. Well, there was this year. Uh, just got to root for another pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, root for another pandemic. I, I, I think I could see them finishing like six or seven points out of a playoff spot, which, you know, in a normal year would be like finishing eight or nine points, you know, eight, nine, mm. or ten points. Um, you know, I, I think that is their ceiling. I don't think there's any way they can make the playoffs. They just don't have enough horses yet. Uh, there's just too many teams that are better. As far as what I hope for, I see the merits of both sides. They are they are icing an actual NHL team this year, which <laughs> I mean, last year they did not do. I, I'm not saying it's like a good NHL team. That defense is still <laughs> it's a scarily bad defense. Yeah, the additions they made. So you know that's where I think there's just no way they would make the playoffs. So if I had a gun in my head and I had to give you an answer, I'd rather pick first overall or second overall, get one more Thank you. cornerstone for this. And then, okay, 
now we can, you know, be the, the sparky team that maybe sneaks into the eight seed. I just want one more. Th- I feel the same way about the Tigers, by the way. Everyone was so excited when they were like five games above 500. I don't want that. <laughs> Give me, I need one more cornerstone and then we can use all that draft capital. Now we have three or four or five young guys under 25 that are hopefully studs and we'll, we'll add to that second, third round picks. You don't need a hit on superstars in the second round. Just get me good third liners. That's great. And, you know, you can go from there. So, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm with Ethan on that one. Well, I think, too, that, like, an important uh, thing to note is that, like, especially in a shortened season, you can't trust those those little runs. Like, the one the Tigers were on, uh, if the Red Wings come out and they start, you know, 12 and 7 or something like that, and it's a shortened season, they just missed the playoffs. You can't really trust that. And it, uh, I would even go as far as to say it's almost harder to decide how to go forward from there. So, I see both sides of it as you do, uh, and, and I will begrudgingly accept your final answer. He is Justin Spiro from the Spiro Avenue podcast. Like I said, you can find that streaming on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. You can follow him on Twitter at Darko State News. I skipped right over it, but that's an all-time Twitter handle, by the way. Uh, it reminds me a lot of my first email address, which was and one at yahoo.com. Uh, Justin Thanks so much for joining us, man. No problem. At least you had a good player in your handle. Mine is a scarlet scarlet letter because I thought Darko was going to be a superstar. And I I (sighs) was containing that like into year four. He was in Orlando already. And I was saying, (laughs) so that I I put that name on myself as like a reminder to be humble. And Hey, if I'm capable of the worst take ever, maybe I shouldn't be so hard on everyone else. So that's where that's from. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, even though you mispronounced Keith Primo's name on your draft recap, I did enjoy that episode. Uh, what did I say? Keith Primo. Did I say that? I know how to pronounce Keith him, Primo's he name. He called him Keith Primo. It's out. The recording's there. I mean, you can pull it up. It was the worst, <laughs> it was the worst mis, misspeak all week until Tuck, Tuck, what was it? Tucker Carlson pronounced Ottawa Atoa. <laughs> so, I think he got you off the hook. You were only the second worst. But anyway, appreciate you guys having me. And uh, I'd love to be back anytime. Appreciate Definitely. you, man. See you in the long. See you, Ethan. Thanks, guys. Yep.